0: Hi, welcome back to LetCentric Radio, the podcast that truly is a literacy coach in your pocket. I'm your host, Julie Webb. Let's start today's episode with the announcement of our LetCentric Radio rating and review winner. Now, if you recall the last few episodes, I had held a little giveaway uh, for anyone who left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts for LetCentric Radio. Uh, for those of you who did, thank you so much, and you were entered into the giveaway. And we have a winner today. Our winner uh, is the initials LLMM, very mysterious. And uh, their title for their review is Invaluable Resource. LLMM says, This podcast will really help you take a deep dive into text with students of all ages. It's a great resource for teachers, reading specialists, and literacy coaches. I suggest adding it to your library and sharing it with your grade level partners. Well, thank you very much, LLMM, and I hope everyone, not just you, uh, will share it with their grade level partners. I would appreciate if you did. And uh, so, as the winner of this week's giveaway, LLMM, uh, I'll be contacting you and you can let me know which lesson in the growing bundle of eccentric radio lessons uh, you would like to have. Now, uh, those lessons include um, every episode 1 through 24. And we're just going to be starting our uh, season three here in a couple of weeks. And so LLMM gets to choose any lesson they would like uh, from the growing bundle. And I will send that to them. And uh, for those of you who are interested in taking a look at that bundle, um, if you look at episode one in the bundle, it's actually there for you for free. So please feel free to download that and try it out in your classroom. And I'd love to hear how that goes for you. As I mentioned, in the next couple of weeks, um, we will be starting our uh, season three of Eccentric Radio with all new mentor texts, and um, as that season starts to get going, we're going to have a couple of bonus episodes coming out at the regular time on Mondays. We're going to go deep into the most popular uh, mentor texts and episode from season one, as well as from season two, and we'll dive a little deeper with those. And I'll be revealing um, some extra information and resources for you there. And if you are interested, for those people who sign up to be LetCentric Insiders, uh, you will be getting those lessons from the LetCentric Radio Bundle for free. So, the most popular episode from season one, those folks on my email newsletter called LetCentric Insiders will be getting that lesson. And the following week, um, again, those of you on the email newsletter list will be getting that lesson from season two for free. If you're interested in getting those lessons, it's not too late to sign up. If you go to letcentric.com and um, just scroll about halfway down on the homepage, you'll see a link there uh, for signing up to uh, get inside information and freebies and extras for me that I send every once in a while. And uh, this is a great time to sign up because you've got some free lessons guaranteed to be coming into your inbox for those of you who sign up. In today's episode, we're going to take a look at compare and contrast language, and we're going to use the text, What's the Difference, to learn a little bit more about it. Now, this book is an informational text. The whole title is, What's the Difference, 10 Animal Lookalikes. It's a really interesting book. It's almost like a collection of articles that are written about these 10 animal lookalikes. And the book has um, an article on like alligators and crocodiles, because of course, I always get those mixed up. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference for you between those. They even talk about ravens and crows. I just heard someone, an adult the other day, say that ravens were a type of crow, which absolutely is not true. So even we can learn a few things, right, from children's books. Um, And we're going to take a look at just one article or one passage from this book today on the difference between bees and wasps. And I chose this just because I had to choose something, uh, one animal pair for us to take a look at because there's so many and we would be here far too long if I read you the whole text. But it's a really cool book and um, even for younger students, they can appreciate it as long as you don't overwhelm them with all the information right up front with every single animal Um, But older students, this would be a great text to um, even, you know, dispense with different kids and even, you know, copy different passages or even maybe tackle a passage a day because they only have maybe, you know, three or four paragraphs in them. They're not too lengthy Um, and they're not that hard to understand, but it is packed full of academic language. And today we are going to take a look at compare and contrast so that we can better understand that specific type of academic language so we can better understand what's being communicated in our informational text. So today, we'll build a bridge chart that will help us uh, use compare and contrast language, and we'll go into some of the specifics about compare and contrast that you may or may not have heard of before. And in our chart, we'll use very specific language and help kids construct uh, sentences and sentence frames orally and in writing, so they can not only understand compare and contrast, but also use it effectively. Do you find running records overwhelming and time-consuming? Are you sure if you're scoring them right and analyzing them correctly? Do you wonder if you should be getting more from your running records? Well, you should be getting more, and I can show you how. Running Record Bootcamp is the online course that I designed where I show you the ins and outs of running records with videos that are packed with information. This is the course I always wished I'd had, especially in the beginning of my career when running records were new to me. And there's no other course like it anywhere, I promise you. If you're interested in getting more out of your running records, I ask you to go to letcentric.com and click on the Learn tab. There's a link there for the Running Record Bootcamp. And if you follow that link, you'll actually get to see um, all the different parts of the course. There are six units in this course, all with, like I said, information-packed videos, all research-based information. This is the same training that I give to teachers around the country when their schools and districts hire me to help them um, improve their literacy practices and assessment practices in their classrooms, in their schools, and in their districts. And I realize that not everyone can have me come to their school you know, and help them, especially if you're just one teacher on your own. And so I designed this course just for you. If you need help like this and you don't have resources like this in your school or in your district, or you're reading all these great you know, uh, resource books online or you've downloaded or purchased different ones and you're looking for additional help, additional explanation, maybe that's a little easier to understand than what's in print, and you're looking for a little coaching support where you can ask someone those weird questions about what about this kind of student or what about that kind of running record... I will be there for you to help answer all those questions. If you log on to letcentric.com, again, go to that learn tab and you'll see a link there for the Running Record Bootcamp. If you purchase the course, you'll get instant access to all six units, including all the videos and all the handouts, and you'll get an invitation to my exclusive Facebook group that is just for teachers who are taking this course. So there you can get access to me, we can do some coaching on there. You can ask anything you like about running records or guided reading, and you'll get an answer. And not only will you get an answer from me, but other people who are taking the course will have a lot of information to share, too. And I hope that we can really help one another dig in because running records, as you know, they seem really simple and straightforward. But as soon as you get into doing them with students, we have a lot of doubts, a lot of questions come up. And they're a big time investment, and I want you to get the most out of them and make sure that you're gaining the expertise you need to help all of your readers. And Running Records should ideally be doing that for you. So if you're interested, take a look at the Running Record Bootcamp that I've designed. It's the only course like it online, and I hope you'll check it out. Let's take a look at today's text. What's the difference? 10 animal lookalikes, And as I mentioned earlier, We're going to only focus on one section since this book is pretty lengthy. We're going to read uh, the section that features wasps and bees. They have fast-beating wings and things that sting. Wasps and bees seem the same, but they're not. Bees and wasps have a lot in common. They both belong to the same group of animals called insects. Some bees and wasps, such as honeybees, bumblebees, and wasps called yellow jackets, even look alike with black and yellow stripes. But bees and wasps are also very different. Bees are covered in hair and look furrier than wasps. When bees walk over flowers, they use their hair to collect pollen and nectar. Back home, they feed the pollen to their young and sometimes use the nectar to make honey. Wasps don't gather pollen or nectar, so you won't see them around flowers as much as bees. Instead, they often hang out at picnics or around garbage cans where sweet things like lemonade and ripe fruit are found. So as you can tell, there is a lot of information. It's very densely packed, even though I still think it's quite accessible. And a lot of the language being used is actually quite, um, you know, kind of elementary friendly. I don't think it's too challenging, but it's the syntax I think that poses the bigger problem for students. And um, that's what I want to explore here today, a way to think about compare and contrast that maybe you haven't thought about before. So first, let's actually define compare and contrast. Now, there are two ways of looking at this. And the most common way is when people say, well, when you compare something, you say how it's the same. And when you contrast something, you say how it's different. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly okay to approach it that way. However, it's not the only way to approach it. There are some people who actually think that compare and contrast are slightly different than that. Some people say that compare isn't only how something is the same, but also how it's different. So if you think about that in real life, if someone walked up to you as an adult and said, oh, compare these two shoes, well, you'd say, oh, well, this one, you know, is is, you know, has laces and well, this one has laces too, but you know, but this one also has a buckle. And you'd also start talking about what was different, wouldn't you? So if you look up the word compare in the dictionary, it can mean the same, but it can also mean the same and different at the same time, which is kind of confusing, right? So compare and contrast, compare can also mean same and different. And then contrast can mean how something is really different. And if we teach students to think about it this way, We actually can get a little bit richer um, information from them because it's not just simply, oh, this is the same and this is different and isn't that wonderful. But we really can dig deep and think about um, how something really contrasts with something else, um, which I think they do a pretty good job of in, um, in this passage that we read. Specifically, that last part about the honeybees and their stinger, that's a real contrasting point there. Because we compared bum- the, we compared bumblebees and wasps and saying that um, they have straight stingers, you know they pull them out. Uh, we also know that wasps and bees use them a little bit differently. But how they're really different is specifically honeybees have those barbed stingers and they actually die after stinging. So that's an example of how compare and contrast can be a little bit different, maybe than how um, you've considered it before. We're going to build a bridge chart using a Venn diagram today. Now. I don't draw Venn diagrams the way that they're uh, typically designed with the two circles that overlap. And the reason is a couple of reasons. First, it's really hard to draw a good looking circle that isn't all wobbly and looks like an egg and (laughs) it's just, you know, kind of crazy or one circle's really a lot bigger than the other one and just becomes kind of messy. But really what I don't like about using circles on Venn diagrams is that, um, you know, when you're trying to write a lot of information inside that circular slice that you're dealing with, it's really hard to fit it in. And I just think they become a little bit difficult to use for the purpose of like creating a chart with your class. So I actually like to create Venn diagrams using three different um, rectangles. So I'll have a um, a rectangle on the left, a rectangle on the right, um, just like you would for a Venn diagram with circles where each of those things is separate. So we have bees on one side and wasps on the other. And then I'll connect those two uh, rectangles with another rectangle in the middle that overlaps them a little bit. And then the middle is where we would show the similarities between those two things, much like you would in the overlapping circles uh, with a traditional Venn diagram. Uh, But this way, it's easier for me to draw. I can actually even use three different colors of, you know, like construction paper and just glue them together and have a chart really fast. Um, but the, be- the best part to me is that it's really easy for me to make a list or bullets or write in the information that I need and students still get the same basic, um, you know, basic idea behind that particular structure. As I mentioned, we're not just talking about the act of comparing and contrasting, but I want to pull out specific language that my students need in this case mainly words and phrases that they're going to need in order to effectively use language to compare and contrast something. Um, This is something I wanna practice with them first orally, and then we would move into using these words and phrases in our writing. Now these words and phrases are a little more difficult to use without sentence frames. So if you have students who are the more beginning stages of acquiring English, or acquiring academic English, you may want to also provide students with sentence frames that use these compare and contrast words and phrases in a longer syntactic structure so they can be a little more accurate when they're reading, writing, and speaking. For example, um, one of the phrases you could use, or one of the sentence frames you could use is uh, blank and blank are the same because they both blank. Okay, so that's an entire sentence that you could provide students there is some academic language in there. It uses the same vocabulary that we're talking about, but it just gives them an extra layer of support um, so that they can actually construct a more accurate sentence a more grammatically correct sentence. Another, uh, another sentence frame you could provide is blank and blank are different because blank, but blank. <laughs> so bees and wasps are different because um, bees collect pollen, and but wasps don't. Right. So that's a way that you can kind of fill in those blanks there. Now, if your students don't need that extra support, you may just want to use some of the vocabulary that we'll talk about on our Venn diagram. Either way, these, this is language that we want to provide students that they get used to using it and eventually it becomes part of their own vocabulary. And eventually, we want these supports to be removed, right? We want sentence frames to be removed, and we want these um, particular words and phrases to not have to be supplied by the teacher all the time so that students have enough familiarity, becomes part of their own vocabulary, and they can use them effectively. But that could take weeks and weeks and months and months, actually, uh, for students to get to that point. So we just want to make sure that um, when we provide scaffolding and we provide particular support, so we also have a plan for how we're going to remove those so that we can move students forward in their development. So the words I like to use for students uh, when I create that Venn diagram, um, I have these words on sticky notes in the lesson at Let's Centric Radio. The growing bundle has the lesson for uh, this episode, What's the Difference? And um On the different sides of the Venn diagram, we have some language that we use to show differences. So I would put a sticky note with some of the words like different, unique, however, as some examples. Um, Some other examples on the other side might be but, or unlike, or instead, on the other hand. Those are just some of the examples of um, the kind of contrasting language that, that we're using. And language to show how things are similar um, that we'd use in the center of Venn diagram would be words like same, similar, like, both. I also make sure I always use the word alike because I found that with my students, particularly my English learners, but also students who maybe lack some academic English, when I say how are bees and wasps alike, they think I'm asking them, do I like them or do they like them? and all they hear is the word like and not alike, and they don't realize that alike means same or similar. And so I always include that in lessons like this and teach that specifically because that word is very, very confusing for a lot of my students. Um, And if I can clear that up for them, that's going to make their comprehension just that much better. So when we build this Venn diagram, I build it in the same way I build all Venn diagrams with students where we would, I'd probably read the passage with them, and then we would go back through the passage and look for um, some of the ways that um, we first see how wasps and bees are different. I found that um, when I do Venn diagrams, even if students are just looking at two pictures and showing, you know, talking about similarities, and differences, or we're using text, it doesn't really matter. But I I used to start with, oh, well, how are they the same? And then how are they different? Because when I think compare and contrast, I think same and different. I don't think different same, right? For some reason, I always put the same first. Well, I found, though, when my students would look at two objects and I would ask them to compare and contrast, they would always talk about what was different first, not what was the same. I think what is the same is a little bit harder for kids, um, especially the younger kids. So I always start out with how are these different and kids can usually tell pretty quickly, you know, they they have different fur or they have different they're different sizes or one has this and one has that, you know, even if they're just giving me one or two word phrases, we can still plot it correctly on the chart. And then I can refer to that compare contrast language on those sticky notes underneath and help students you know, use those lang- that language and model that for them and help them build sentences by pulling different, different pieces from the chart. After we've um, gone through and added the differences, then we go back and talk about, well, how are they the same though? And again, that's always harder for my students. And, and sometimes that takes a little bit more time actually to go through the article and talk about how they're the same. In this article, like in many that I've read when we're comparing contrasting What's the same often doesn't have as much information as what's different. So that may be another reason why kids actually um, think about differences first, because there's so much more information out there uh, in that regard. But just like when we do differences, with the similarities, we've also got the language right there. Um, to use that for compare and contrasting conversation. And I can help students build sentences from there, both orally with sentence frames. And we can also pull that and I can model how to use that to build sentences in writing. And that's what I want students to do, is to actually be able to write me a paragraph at minimum, comparing bees and wasps, at least one aspect of that. And they can use uh, the language I've given them, they can use sentence frames if needed in order to accomplish that in writing. So check out What's the Difference. It's a great book, really easy to share with kids and really easy to just take one part of it and dive deep. could be great for your close reading lessons in particular, and there's a lot of great information in there. You'll learn something too. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode and for a successful season two of eccentric Radio. Shortly, we will have the beginning of season three, and I'm excited to share 12 new mentor texts with you and all the teaching ideas that go with them. So, share Let's Centric Radio with a teacher friend. Don't keep it all to yourself. Make sure you're spreading the love around to other teachers in your school and folks you know, and we'll see you next time. Have a great day at school.